Josh from Bandcamp. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> that was like grade four, bro. Like, anyway, apparently right. I look exactly the same. Are we live? I'm ready. I'm ready to hit the button. Oh, I thought you'd hit the button like 10 minutes ago. No. Yeah. no. All right, hitting the button now. Sweet. We're on. Uh, okay, just we're loading. Here. It's just loading. Oh. What does it Did, say? Do, can you see it? It's live on Facebook. It's yeah. just now straight. I mean, oh, okay, cool. Okay, good. I can continue. This one time at Bandcamp. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. Whoa. Welcome back to Burn the Haystack with Josh, Jesse, and Josh and Laura. Hey, uh, guys. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Jesse, do your bit. Uh, <laughs> this is a show all about saving the best and burning the rest. Absolutely. And today we are um, continuing our conversation that we started two weeks ago, a week ago, two weeks ago. I can't remember when we did it. And we got so much positive feedback and everybody was like, please talk more about this. Don't finish. And then we had to finish because people had to go and do things and go to work. So we decided, you know what? Some people. (laughs) I I had to go as well. But, you know, it was... uh, it was such a great conversation about what church will look like post-COVID and we don't have all the answers again. We never said we did, but what? people like it. We don't? <laughs> well, I don't. Josh Wood does. That beard says it all, right? <laughs> the Where the advice. Is hidden in the beard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so we're here. We're continuing the conversation. We're going to do a bit of a recap and stuff before we get into it. And um, yeah, I don't know where we're going to go today, but... Yeah. I guess it's, um, I don't know, there's lots of things to talk about, lots of ideas, lots of things to pro- have progressed since last time. So, yeah, lots to happen. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely. All right, so, hey, just to just to recap on uh, where we were last week, if you uh, didn't uh, tune in last week or it's been a little bit before, since you listened to it, basically we talked about church post-COVID um, and... I guess the the sort of prevailing uh, thought amongst a lot of Christians or the assumption perhaps that we're making is that church is just going to go back to normal once we go back to normal. Um, But we kind of collectively questioned that that notion and talked about how perhaps we think that church is going to have to change. Um, And as, as well, not just seeing this as something that we have to do, but what are the opportunities that this crisis is actually giving us as a church? Uh, and so this is really a continuation of that conversation, as Josh said. Um, but before we get into that, uh, Josh, there's something that we have to do. Uh, there's always something I can never remember. Was that one thing that we have to do before we actually get into our conversation? Exercise. Ew. Yes. Uh, i like how that just became a joke even though could have been serious nice guys (laughs) Uh, of course we have to do the question of the week all right so yeah easy question this week um and just g'day to everybody who's joining us on the live stream i see too long is in um, so if you have an answer to this question, please put your comments in the sec in the comments section below. Uh, we'd love to hear what you guys have been uh, up to. The question specifically for this moment is: What has helped keep you sane 
during lockdown for all of us who have been in lockdown and uh before anybody jumps in we are of course assuming that you were sane to begin with um <laughs> thanks jesse uh, i knew there'd be somebody to to just point that out but uh yeah what's helped keep you sane during lockdown uh if you have an answer to that question put it in the comments section otherwise how about you guys what do you think uh exercise <laughs> um, no seriously like I've actually been exercising more in this kind of lockdown period than I was prior to so I joined a gym at the end of last year and then obviously gyms closed down um, so I can't go to the gym but my personal trainer who just so happens to be a member of one of my churches oh. um, I, I still train with him so I'm training with him once or twice a week um, and uh-huh. that's about four kilometers or something like that from where I live. So I generally will either walk there or walk back and my wife will pick me up. So exercise is one of the ways I keep saying. The other way is just good coffee. Oh, <laughs> yes. Mm. Yes. Yeah. So uh, tell us about your coffee right now. What What are you – I don't even know, Josh. Are you a, an espresso guy? Are you a French press guy? Okay, so I, I don't have a French press because it broke. Um <sighs> But I've got a Bialetti, I've got a filter machine, and I've got an espresso machine at home. Oh so my gosh, you are any so at all Melbourne. of those. <laughs> I am this so is the Melbourne. most Melbourne thing I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> What's your go-to right now? Uh, my go-to at the moment is filter because I'm yep. out of espresso beans. Okay, okay. Do you do you grind your own beans? Indeed, I do. Got to do it fresh because you get more flavour. Yeah. Yeah, I only have a hand grinder right now, so Ooh, early like in the morning. Super, like hipster. Yeah, it's a burr grinder. <laughs> mm. What's your favorite beans right now? Uh, I just started on a bean called Zest Blackbird, which comes from nearby where Josh used to live, down in Narry Warren area of Melbourne. Um, hey, that was, uh, Melbourne. <laughs> yeah, that was put on to me by um, a guy who used to be my barista at a cafe that shut down. Um, but I still follow him on Instagram and he gives me coffee recommendations. Love it. Solid. That's awesome. Cool. I'm loving that. Cool. All right. Uh, who wants to go next? Laura? Oh, I was going to say exercise as well, which is the honest thing that's keeping me sane. I started the Couch to 5K running app, which nice. is for when you're a couch potato like me <laughs> to get up and learn to run over nine weeks. And you start by doing like one minute running, one minute walking, one, and then over the weeks, they expand the minutes you run and lessen the time you spend walking. Mm. And it's really hard and really awful. And I'm in week five and I just ran for 10 minutes without stopping, which I've never done in my whole life. Wow. I know. That's, that's for me. That's keeping me sane, honestly. Um, otherwise, Nutella by the tub. That's it. That's just so, a spoonful. <laughs> my, so, my exercise is not a weight loss or a health thing. It's, it's yeah, a mental health, say, making sure my brain is not stressing. So I tend to be a very anxious, highly strung kind of person. And I find I was trying I to figure out the, the, get the chocolate fidget. Nutella exercise thing, which just was a little bit <laughs> counterproductive in my mind. It's perfectly balanced, as no, all things it's, should be. Yeah, it's a balanced life. Nutella in <laughs> yeah. one hand, running in the other. <laughs> I so like yeah, that's my answer. Yeah. What are you doing, Jesse? Um, I feel like mine is fairly. I feel like mine is fairly typical, like just video games. To be honest, I've been playing this one game nice. with one of my friends, with a couple of my friends. So shout out to Ryan and Sam and Tom. Um, 
two guys from Brizzy and uh, one guy from Palmy. Uh, yeah, it's been great to keep uh, doing things with people and there's obviously so few things that you could do with people um, during lockdown and it was just so happened that I was able to still play a game with a couple of my friends during lockdown, still chat with them, still hang out with them just like we were in the the room together. Um, That's nice. Do stupid things and yeah, it was, yeah, it's been good. It's been good. So thank you, Destiny 2, as much as I kind of hate <laughs> you. Um, it's fun. It's fun, I guess. Yeah, that's no, good. The PlayStation's getting a workout in our house as well. Bass <laughs> and my husband finished a game called God of War and oh, he also mm, likes ah. to play COD with his friends online and it's literally like a social thing. And I'm like, what are you doing? You're shooting people. And he's like, no, I'm catching up with the boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, we play Overcooked together and also mm. PlayStation has released a few free games as well, which you should totally check out. Nice. Uh, Dupes is saying that he's been getting really mad at 15-year-olds in Warzone. <laughs> I guess. That, that, that was after he realised he was answering the wrong question. <laughs> and what, what question was <laughs> what? that? He, he, was, he was answering um, the question about what's your go-to song, which was the question we asked last time. Oh, Oh, uh, okay. Suddenly his, his responses make a lot more sense, the first ones. Yeah. Right. Thanks, uh, Jesse. What's keeping you sane, Stothers? Um, <laughs> I was going to say exercise as well. Um, oh, my gosh. But for the sake of this, I'll say my cats. Oh. Um, yeah. I don't know. They're just so entertaining, you know, like playing with them. And now they have whenever Danelle and I leave, even for like an hour or whatever or 15 minutes, they're like at the window waiting. They're just like, where have you been? Where have you been? You can't leave us anymore. That's not allowed. You've been here the whole time. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, but we get like the full on like gaze at us as uh, or the glare. Sorry, that's the word I'm looking for. As like we're walking back the driveway, like looking. To, anyway, yeah, they've been fun playing with them. And yeah, it's been nice. I love it. I love it. Ryan Becker is all about the Smash Bros. I'm so jealous. Oh, bro, I didn't know you play. Ryan, add me. <laughs> Just say sorry. All so my other note. Switch friends have been um, absolutely no lifing it on uh, Animal Crossing. Every time I talk yeah. to any of them, it's all Animal Crossing. It looks so all good. The time. I want to get it. <laughs> we'll, uh. st- we'll, we'll start a good GoFundMe for you, Josh. <laughs> Help Josh to get Animal Crossing no. on Switch. Josh isn't going to have time to do Animal Crossing or no. any gaming. That's a very time-consuming game that I will not have the time for very shortly. Um, because I'm going to be a dad soon. <laughs> I mean, we've said it on the podcast before, haven't we? I don't know. Yeah, yeah I just so. wanted to clarify. What if there's a new But, but it's That's seriously, true, like, by the time this episode drops on podcast form, you could mm. be a dad. Yeah, yeah. It's... It's soon. It's soon. Who knows? Yeah. If but Josh anyway. needs to rush out mid live stream, we all know why. <laughs> Josh is like, sorry, guys, i got to go right now. Too early. Too early. <laughs> okay, well, let's get to the, the other topic then for the day. <laughs> yeah, so, hey, this is our, um, this is exciting. This is our second episode for one week. This is how much we're spoiling you guys. Um, but this episode is going to drop next week on the podcatching app. So if you missed out on the live stream right now, uh, you can catch up with it next week on YouTube and uh 
iTunes and everything like that. But as we said before, this is basically a follow-up to last week's uh, episode where we basically got into a uh, such a good discussion and then we had to end it. Uh, so hopefully we can rediscover and regrasp the magic that we were uh, that we were getting to last episode. But the big question that was in our minds was how is church going to have to change when we come back? And right off the bat, I think one of the big things that we all need to realize, and I'm not an epidemiologist, I'm not a healthcare expert, but this is just one of the realities that I've been coming to grips with. We as a global society are probably not going to be seeing a vaccination and certainly not a widespread vaccination um, for COVID-19 for some time now. I'm not quite sure exactly what the the expected time frame is right now, but I've heard one year, I've heard two years, I've heard up to three years. So there's a good possibility that we as a society are looking at kind of living beside and parallel to the threat of COVID-19 for another couple of years. Um I don't know if anybody wants to jump in on that particular point, but I'm just setting up sort of where we're going for now. Yeah, I might jump in for a moment because what you're saying about the widespread vaccinations is really something to take into account because the reports that I've been reading and looking at are showing if a vaccine is available, best case scenario, kind of June, July 2021, we actually would then have a shortage of needles in which to administer the vaccine. Yeah. Because we're talking about every person getting vaccinated yeah. in, in a country in the world. <laughs> so, yeah, so as far as distribution is concerned, so we are looking at a fairly lengthy period of time where, look, where we are in New Zealand and Australia, our governments have handled this pretty well in restricting travel, in um, closing down borders, in uh, closing down businesses, all that sort of stuff, promoting safe practices, distribution of PPE uh, and uh, physical distancing measures. However, that is gonna, this is going to affect us, I think, a lot longer than we currently realise, e- even, you know, me, like thinking in terms of, okay, when we get went into lockdown here in New Zealand, we thought, okay, We'll be in lockdown for a month, then they're going to let us out and everything's going to go back to normal after four weeks. But now we're looking at 12 months, best case scenario, and even further than that. So basically what I'm saying is church is not going to look the same, at least for the next 12 months. When it comes to what we're used to, big crowds all together, people touching each other, people being in each other's um, space in the same way that we just take for granted, that is going to be uh, not a reality for for many of us. And this all depends, of course, on where you live in the world. I mean, we're seeing right now in America, um, churches opening up and then having to close back down because they've infected people as a result of opening back up again after not being open for a while. So... I think people are going to get scared. People are going to become a lot more wary of any situations that are going to put them and their family in uh, the potential firing line for infection. So with that in mind, 
And, you know, thinking back to our conversation last week, we just started talking about this. We didn't get to the end of it, but we started talking about this. This is the kind of serious, scary reality that we're going to live in. When you guys look at the next 12 months, what are you seeing with the information that we have right now, knowing that this could change overnight? Churches of over 100 people in attendance won't be able to meet for at least three years. Three years? It's my guess. That's your estimate, right? Wow. Well, social distancing has to take place, you see. Um, And I think best case scenario, we will have churches being able to meet with up to 100 people so long as we follow social distancing guidelines. And in Australia, that's four square metres per person. So in one of my churches... North Fitzroy, which is like a really old church. It was built in like the 1890s and the pews were built to be able to fit roughly 100 people or thereabouts in that space. But based on the actual size of the space, I can have no more than 19 people meeting in that space if we follow social distancing. So you said 19? 19. Like one nine. One nine. But if if people are in their bubbles though, that's kind of a bit better use of space. Like if a family group is all sitting together and then another family group is all yeah, sitting together. but you can still not have any more than what the social distancing guidelines will allow. So you, you can have 19 people and the families can sit together, but you can't go over 19 people because uh, space physically can't accommodate four square metres per person. Right. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm my, my church would probably be in a similar boat then because we... We get probably just under 200 each week on a normal week. Um, and so it, we already know it's not going to look like what it used to for a while. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about that. But even just thinking about, well, we're like, oh, maybe we can do two gatherings of 100. And I'm like, I wonder if we can even fit 100 because mm. social distancing and like it's not, it's a pretty crowded space normally. So, well, yeah. Here's the thing, like from an Australian perspective, and obviously you guys are in New Zealand, so it could be slightly different, but the recommendation at the moment is if you are meeting even for like a funeral or a wedding or whatever that is in a church space, that event finishes, you can run another event of the right number of people at least an hour after the first event has finished to ensure Mm. that sanitising and cleaning can take place. So in my other church... (laughs) where we would have almost 200 people in attendance, but because of the spaces, we can't have all of them there at once. We would need to run four services in a week, like every week um, to include enough time for each service and the hour between services. We would be running from 10 a.m. until 6 p.m. every week, and that doesn't include our traditional Sabbath schools. <laughs> And does anybody know what what are the guidelines or what are the restrictions on like sanitization? Like what what are the things that you have to do to make sure that your space is clean and secure? Clean everything constantly. Wipe down Especially everything. Especially the high touch constantly. point. Like just think of like like high touch points. So things like the toilets and the bathrooms at your church would need to be like like hospital grade disinfected. Mm. I've started returning to work. Um, this week. So I've been into my office three times now um, and they've set up all the like tape on the floor of how many people can be in each meeting room. And now when we go to a meeting, um, our room that we used to would put like eight people around a boardroom table can now only have three. And there's marks on the floor of where those three can sit. 
Um, and because it is optional kind of filtering back to work. So, um, I'm working from home, but I did Monday and Wednesday in the office and there are a few others just doing two days a week until, I don't know, until the next announcement is made, I guess. But I think there can be some parallels here of how we bring back to church as well. At my office, luckily we're set up with all the gear because we're a big international company. I don't work for the church. Um, and we go into our meeting room and we have these conference room phone speakery things and everyone dials in the conference call. So we have people in the Melbourne office, people in the Sydney office, and then people at home all over the country. And we all chat over this thing. And that has been working fine for us because we already, before all of this, we had the Sydney team and the Melbourne team call in. So all of our meetings had a phone integration anyway, but now, um, I think of that and I'm like, how is that going to work in something like Sabbath school? Like it works at my, at my workplace because we have, you know, a marketer, a publicist, a graphic designer, like everyone has their roles. We talk about the projects that we are all working on and everyone updates on where we're at or gives each other tasks or whatever. Like it's very structured. Everyone has a place, but if we're meeting to just chat about the Bible or if, you know, someone's facilitating a Bible study and it's like, what did you get out of this verse? Like people are going to have to pipe up without having the duty, like the role, the hat that they're wearing. They're just mm. joining a conversation. And I don't think that half in person, half online thing is going to integrate very well for a yeah. chat. That's my personal, that's the thing I keep coming back to in my head anyway. What do you think? Yeah, you kind of got to go one or the other, I think, when it comes to provoking group discussion, like when it's just all people gathering around to just have a chat. It's it's pretty hard to do like in person. Like, I, I, but even before all this, I was a part of I was part of a committee that was sort of a, a bit international, and so part of the part of them would be sitting around a board table, and then part of us would be all like wherever else we were around Australia or New Zealand, and the the ones the ones around the board table definitely like it was easiest for them to like control the dynamic not that they intended to but it was easiest for them to control yeah. the dynamics of everything and that was like a work thing I, I even found that kind of hard let alone if I tried mm. to do it for something like a Sabbath school where I'm just like oh I think this first means this you know like I don't yeah. know <laughs> like, yeah. I would struggle with it so yeah, yeah I feel like you've got to kind of commit to one or the other but that's pretty hard yeah. And then what are, like, I'm thinking about meeting for church. Like you say, you would have to be there from 10 a.m. till 6 p.m. to run a regular service. But is that pretty much the only thing that I can think of right now that we can't do online is like communal music. Like I really mm. miss singing and being in harmony with other people and having that like yeah. group singing feeling. Um, but, you know, sermon we can watch online the Bible study, a lot of people have been saying good things about watching the discussions or being a part of live streams and stuff like that. Um, a lot of the other things are conversational e-giving's done online. Like what other than the communal worship would we really, really be missing? And that like, what's the first thing you're going to go back to? But here's the challenge though, Laura is, is that communal worship, that singing something that we can reintroduce if we know that, this virus is spread by droplets and droplets through singing <laughs> spread quite far. There have been like instances in the last week of churches that have had choir practice 
where one person has attended choir practice who didn't know they were infected and then something like 70% of the choir has contracted coronavirus because of choir practice yeah. at a church. Oh, my goodness. That's so bad. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, that's insane. I miss the singing. Uh, yeah. I'm just picturing like everyone trying to sing with masks. It's like, people <laughs> come together. It you doesn't know, work. Because, yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, I haven't tried, I haven't tried like, communal zoom singing i don't imagine it would be a good time i really yeah, don't i don't no. know like i'd be willing to get my guitar and try you know you're always going to run into latency issues that's going to be the big thing if somebody has really bad bandwidth in their internet connection and they're singing like even one second behind is and then you get another person and they're all just singing at different at different latencies it's very uh very it's so, frustrating. It's so awkward as well. Like you're just in your house, like whoever else is listening <laughs> into you and you just burst into song. Like, yeah, yeah no. Nah. You know, uh, this is this is completely irrelevant to everything we've been talking about. I just want to share the weirdest thing for me right now is when I am watching a live stream of myself preaching and oh. then I on the live stream say, okay, let's pray. Yeah. And then I bow my head to... Be quiet and respectful while I'm pre- praying on the live stream. <laughs> right, right. How weird is it? Jesse, I want to ask, when Master are you problems. watching yourself back? Like, oh, I can't. Uh, um, a premiere video on Facebook. Yeah, I understand that. But at the same time, like, I can't hack that. Like, if I premiere it, I'm not watching it because <laughs> well, that's me watching me. And it's just like, it doesn't I know. Work. I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for Karina. So at least Karina has. And like the like last week, because we can now have t- up to 10 people in a group, we invited another couple over to just hang out with us for, you know, 11 o'clock and then we had Sabbath lunch together. And then they were sitting on the couch awkwardly while I was sitting on the couch with them awkwardly watching me preach and then pray awkwardly on TV. Yep. That's yeah. uncomfortable. I can't, I can't, I can never, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to get over that. Church, <laughs> I should have, should have, would have, could have. I was even doing the, um, lately at my church, I've been doing the sort of communal prayer where, where like I'd say something and then you, you're getting everybody to, to repeat it. Yeah. So then oh, like yeah. I'd be on the screen saying it and then I'd repeat it to myself. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, I have to participate, right? I have to be a good, like yeah. I'm just imagining it's not me preaching. Yeah. I'm wearing a different outfit. Yeah. I'm not wearing my glasses now. You know, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's your evil twin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the darkest timeline. Uh, Goodness so, gracious! Weird times. Um, just reading a couple of the chat comments. Um, Andrew Pratt has been very engaged. Thank you, Andrew. And he he's actually saying about the choir thing. It was one person infected fifty two people in a choir. Yeah. Wow. He also yeah. made a comment around the fact that one of the things we need to take into account is that we can't have shared microphones. Yeah. Or if we do, we have to sanitise oh. them between uses. Yeah. This yeah. is such a drag. <laughs> all of it. <laughs> Literally all of it. Yeah. 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 Um, so I said something, uh, I don't know if it was controversial. I said it was controversial. I don't know if anybody else said it was controversial last week. But I want to put it out to you guys because we started talking about it. We didn't really finish talking about it. Um, and that is the idea of if I have a if I have an online touch point with a sermon or whatever or a discussion once a week, do I need or should I should I feel guilty if I am 
not choosing to go to church, if that is if that is an option, like let's say that's an option eventually that I can go to church if I want to. But if I'm just happy with engaging with church online and going, well, that's my church, should I then feel guilty about that? Or should I feel, you know what, even if it's online, it's still church and I can still get my church experience on Facebook or on YouTube or on Twitch or whatever the case may be. What do you Just guys to think? Just clarify, when you use the word I, are you referring to you as a pastor or you no. as like a random congregation person? I'm, okay. Joe, I'm Joe Schmo. Joe, Joe Schmo. Schmo. Um, I want to throw it back at you though, Jesse. Yeah. Um, can you give me a theology of meeting together in a church building on a Saturday or a Sunday, depending on your denominational allegiances? And right. then I think you'll answer your own question. Right. Right. Well, I mean, obviously that was a Hebrews 10 passage is the one that we always throw out, but obviously that is the one that is often most taken out of context because it wasn't. What is that one for the non-pastor here, please? Don't don't give up on meeting together. Don't forsake. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Which which pastors use all the time to say, see, come to church on Sunday or see, come to church on Saturday. Um, but obviously the passage, if you do just the slightest amount of research, is obviously referring to people meeting together in homes for house churches, for community and prayer and the Lord's Supper, so completely different context. So if yeah. anything, our only theological mandate is for small groups and not for meeting together with 300 or 3,000 other believers to watch a preacher say something and a $100,000 band set up, you know, whatever the case may be. But if they had that option, if they had that option back then, that I'm sure that text would have still applied, right? Like, I don't think it's exclusive because they didn't have the option back then. I feel mm. like the modern way we do church now, obviously it's different to Bible times, but they didn't have what we have now. So mm. I don't know. I, I think personally, like, I feel like it's a bit dishonest to how times change and move that a text in the Bible that talks about small groups would only ever be referring to small groups. I feel like it is referring to any mm. sort of church gathering, even like a social gathering at the church hall. Well, you know what I mean? Or like going out for community service as a church together. Like surely that text can still be applied to that. Well, that's that's what I would say. I think there's a theological mandate, mandate to do church or life in community with people um, I don't know that there's a theological mandate to have a corporate worship program. Ooh, Depen- I don't know what to say. Ooh. Well, <laughs> I, I think true. I think there is. I think there is a. De- I think there is a demand for for corporate worship in the Bible. You know, whether it's like technically, like whether it I, looks like what we're, we're used to. I think you could argue the demand is pretty loose. Mm. Like, But I would yeah. say there is definitely like a call for like you to gather together to, um, yeah. I don't know, read or study the scriptures yeah. in whatever way contextually works you to sing together. That is like as old as the Bible itself. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's like so, scientific. Or older than the Bible itself. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, will, I will quickly say just, to, just so that we're all on the same page, I don't think 
what this discussion is about is trying to outproof text the other person. Like, even if we disagree, yeah, like I don't I'm think. No. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I mean, I think that's what I'm we're trying down. to. I think I'm that's down. what we're trying to achieve, right? We're trying to achieve what is the what is the biblical mandate or what is the spiritual sort of direction that we see the the, the journey of the Bible moving to us towards. Not what does the Bible text say, and how can I make my point the most accurate. Laura, did you just put your hand up? I did, sorry, I didn't want to butt in. Um, Back to your original question, Jesse, of whether it's okay to be like, I've gotten my church online and I don't need a physical church anymore. Um, I think it's really hard to give a yes or no definitive answer to that because it's really case by case. And that would be between you, dear layperson, and your God, right? So that's because... Cop out! No, I'm kidding. (laughs) It is is a cop out, but there's such a difference between like sitting at home on your couch and watching um, a YouTube video of a pastor in Texas give a sermon and then you get up and eat lunch and go home. There's a difference between doing that to like maybe joining people to chat about something or like actively learning and taking notes or I don't know, I think the gathering together is the key part. Like we came last time we were talking about this, it was really like community is what it came down to. That's the real thing that we need. It's not listening to someone else talk about God. It's not watching an actor play Jesus on the TV. It's actually like integrating your life with other Christians. Yeah. Yeah. Josh Wood has his hand up. Yeah. Yes, thank thank you. We're, we're going to make this like a school um, <laughs> class lesson thing um i I think the the challenge is is that faith can it can be cultivated in isolation but it's not best cultivated in isolation Mm -hmm. and the thing for christians to really look at is that as a christian if we go to like the nth degree and i know that this isn't about the proof texting but i'm going to proof text this (laughs) Um, <laughs> Matthew, like Matthew 28, the great commission around go and make disciples of all nations. Um, how do you make disciples? How do you become a disciple if you're only doing it by yourself? Ooh, that's good. Good question. Good question. Yep. You get the clap emoji on zoom. Bam. Look at that. <laughs> okay. All right. So maybe let me, let me rephrase my question so that we can become more specific in what we're talking about, because um, I mean, we've had like we as in church has had this conversation for a long time, um, ever since online church has been a thing. And, you know, the question has always been floated is online church, real church, blah, blah, blah. I think that's a boring question. But what I think the big word that we need to grapple with is engagement. And that's what we kind of talked about last week. Um, and we talked about how even if I, again, Joe Schmo, I'm going to church every week and I'm sitting in a pew, I'm sitting in the back, I'm listening to the worship, I'm listening to the sermon, I'm chatting to my friends and I'm going home. Am I engaged in discipleship? Am I engaged in the mission of the church? Am I engaged in building the kingdom of Jesus Christ? Um, if, if, that's the, if that's the extent of my spiritual experience, no, of course not. Mm. So I guess then my question is, what does engagement look like in an online space and how can we as church leaders help people to uh, greater levels of engagement in the same way that you would be wanting them to do that uh, in a physical setting? 
I think engagement on whether you're in person or at home comes down to are you having a response to faith content? That's so broad, but I'm just thinking like in a Sabbath school setting, I'm much more likely to speak up than, for example, my husband who's very introverted and probably won't join the discussion in a group setting if it's a big group. Um, doesn't mean he's not responding to the faith message. He's just not as likely to speak up. So it's, I, I would see engagement as like, are you able to have a conversation with that person about how they are responding to the lesson? Are they learning things? Are they struggling in their faith and happy to speak to someone about it? Like, can we nominate people in our churches to have active conversations about faith with one other person every week to try and like, that would be real engagement, whether it's online or in person. Should we not have been doing that already? Of course we, we should have been doing that already, but I think old habits die hard and how many centuries have we been going to a stone building and watching Mm. a, a wise person who invests their entire life or career in ministry to share with us about God's love again. And that has just been hundreds of years we've been doing that. It's it's not just a little habit like checking Instagram in the morning. That's like a deep set human mm. routine. Mm. It's hard mm. to kill. And this virus has really been quite a huge thing to make us rethink all of the basics. I don't know. Of course we should be chatting to people, but I don't know if there's been... I personally have been attending Adventist churches my entire life and I've never really had someone say like this is your designated person or this is your mission for the week is to just say like see how this person liked Sabbath school or anything like that. Mm. Well that goes to the point of what Tulung is saying in the comments section which is essentially have we been too busy playing church and kind of putting on that facade of this is what the church is rather than actually doing real ministry. Mm. It's true, but the that entertainment aspect is what gets people in. Like mm. having the big performance is what's going to get random people off the street interested in attending and watching and whatever. If we just said to someone walking down the street, like, hey, come along and let's sit down and talk about the Lord, like they're mm. not going to be interested in that. But mm. if we put on a big show and there's going to be like <clears throat> dances or big music performance or um Oh, it's my voice. <clears throat> if someone shares like a really inspiring message or something, they're much more likely to come along and be like, oh, a life lesson. Oh, okay. I don't have to be too involved. I can just be entertained. Mm. So it's like that gets people in, but then keeping people staying and growing them in the faith is another separate thing. How do we merge those two? Mm. I'm but also to, to, to springboard back to Jesse's original question, Laura, mm. that level of conversation that you might have in a Sabbath school lesson um, and you're giving the example of yourself and your husband around the different personality types, you can do that because of the relationship or the, the confidence you have in the people in that same group to a large extent. Whereas if you're going and just watching a sermon online, you're not actually developing the relationships to get into a group to deepen your discussion and faith through that means as well. And so I think there's a really important aspect of engagement through community that needs to be investigated but how do we engage people online you know we can look at all of the metrics on youtube and facebook and whatever platform that we're using but 
they're just numbers. How do we make them people? Mm. Hmm. I honestly don't know. Well, look, I think that behind every number is a person, no matter which way you slice it. I guess the hard thing with analytics is that, uh, so if if you're on Facebook, I think what is it three seconds is 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 a view or something like that, or is it ten yeah. seconds? I think it's three or more. Yeah. Whereas in YouTube, it's like thirty seconds. So you're asking ten times more engagement on YouTube to actually register a view. But then there's comments, right? So we can see even on this particular live stream right now, who are the people who are engaged with this particular session, message, conversation? It's Tulunga, it's Andrew, it's Shelley. Hey, um, friends. It's like, thanks, thanks for proving our point, guys. Yeah. Like there are other people watching right now, but they're not as engaged. Maybe they have us on an, on another screen. Maybe they're, you know, we're on the, in the background while they're doing their dishes, whatever the case may be. They're there. But the level of engagement is like, okay, there's down here, maybe, if you can see me on the screen, there's like very, like, um, this is as far as my hand can go down before disappearing. Like that would be like... I'm 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 looking at it, but I'm not actually responding to it. To you know, we do things that actually raise that bar a little bit more to the point where people are actually influencing what we're talking about because they're actually putting their two cents in. And to me, that's what engagement has to be. It's not just us speaking our script like we have something that we're just reading in front of us and we're just going off talking points and you're responding how you're supposed to and I'm responding how I'm supposed to and everybody is just happening in the background it's actually no your engagement actually changes the conversation and that's what community and faith is all about it's about shifting and sharing stories around the campfire and allowing each other's different experiences to collectively shape this faith experience that we're all sharing all together it's allowing for those different levels of engagement. I want to pick up on one person who's commented who said, I'm engaged, but also working. And the yeah. reason I want to point this one out is because that's my ministerial secretary. My boss is just watching Facebook um, instead of working. No, he's working as well. <laughs> but this is the challenge when it even comes to like a Sabbath school group or someone just attending church and sitting in the back pews. The fact that they're there is a great thing. Not everyone is going to participate in the same way. Different personality types are going to participate in different ways. And so just because they don't speak up doesn't necessarily mean that they're not engaged. Sure. What we need to do is provide an opportunity for action, like Laura was saying. Did anyone ever really challenge you to do something uh, in the coming week? What is the next step that we want people to take. And that's really difficult to do online because in church we could physically have the connections desk or the, the help desk or whatever you wanted to call it. You could fill out a card and put it in the offering tray online. Do we have a means or a mechanism to do that? And this is where developing things like digital connect cards and directing people to fill out those might be a really good thing to measure a level of engagement. Some people will watch your church online for six or 12 months before they step into the front door. Mm. Um, we don't need to say that that's not relevant or that's not valid engagement. Mm. It takes people a length of time to get comfortable enough with the idea of faith and how that impacts their life before they mm. might make a step. Mm. And can mm. I also point something out really quickly? Um, 
springboarding off what you just said, Josh. You know, Justin's saying he's engaged but also working. Andrew's on his coffee break. Shelly's eating lunch and listening. She's filling out a form online. She's doing a whole bunch of stuff. Okay, we are leveraging an opportunity that we would never be able to do. Nora's adorable. sorry, guys. We we just need Nora's just jumped on Josh's lap. <laughs> sorry, I'll, I'll Nora make is it. Josh's cat. Yeah, and she's sniffing the microphone. What's <laughs> happening there is far more interesting than anything hey, else that's happened so far. Sorry, this is my favorite part of the whole chat. Yeah. Sorry, Jesse. Continue on with the the, the multi. So yeah, yeah, I was very engaged with what you're saying before a cat appeared on the screen. I'm sorry. Oh, continue. I'm so sorry. Totally, me too. Um, no, and, but I, what I was just was just going to say is that we actually have an opportunity now that we've never had before, which is that previously we, the church, expected people to show up in the place that we wanted to show them to show up at the time that we wanted them to show up. Um, but now we actually have an opportunity to cut into people's real lives, where they're living, what they're up to, um, and they actually have an opportunity to engage with whatever it is that we're wanting to present, the questions, the, the, the thoughts, the talking points that we think are important to help people grow and take those next steps. And we can do it anytime we want. We can do it at 1.22 p.m. in the afternoon, right? We can do it. It doesn't have to be 11 o'clock on a weekend. Uh, and I, I think that that's exciting. It is really yeah. exciting. Yeah, I think the like, I mean, the I think the biggest thing is that the the Christian journey it requires accountability. Do you know to to make it happen? I remember reading yeah. um, a book that Josh Wood recommended me, the Reemerging Church by Mark Sayers. Oh, yeah. yeah, really cool book, I, but some sorry. really I, challenging stuff in there. I haven't actually read that book yet. <laughs> Classic. Um, anyway. It's, it's sitting on my shelf. I read the precursor of the Disappearing Church, but I haven't yet read Reemerging. I haven't read Disappearing Church. I'm like, I want to skip to the positive stuff, so let's go Reemerging Church. But anyway, there's one thing that Mark says talks about in that book, and he talks about these like renewal groups, and he... Hey, to be honest, he bases them off like some communist party thing. Anyway, classic Mark Sayers. But anyway, um, <laughs> but part of what they do in the group is that like everyone will meet together and then there's like a text or whatever they're discussing and then they'll spin a pen or something and like whoever it lands on, they're the ones who are teaching the lesson that week. Whoa. So like everybody has to come to the group prepared to teach it. Um, well, that's terrifying. Yeah, and he's <laughs> like, it doesn't. If it could land on the same person every week, you don't. Nobody gets removed. Everybody has to come every week, ready to teach the lesson. Nobody well, cannot come. Nobody can come without um, preparation. Yeah, preparation. But also, you can't just text and be like, "Hey, sorry, I can't come tonight." If you're not coming, you have to call everybody in the group and let them know you're not coming and why. Um, and Accountability. Like, yeah, that's and insane. even that's great. each yeah each text that you read. You have to, the first question you ask each week, you go around the circle to every single person and you say, how did you apply the text we learned last week to your life over the last week? It's, it's really intense. It's like really high accountability and a really high commitment. And I was actually thinking to myself, like when I run a small group, it is completely the opposite. It is like, <laughs> hey, yeah. guys, yeah, you know, just true. come whenever, like just <laughs> hang out, love you guys, so awesome to have you. <laughs> 
I'll take care of everything. You just be you. Just come as you are. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's the sort of atmosphere that I set up. And I was reading this and it actually really challenged me that maybe I need to be enforcing more like accountability and serious commitment from people. And I think that's something that no matter what you're doing online is really hard to do online because it's so easy yeah. to just not show up to a Zoom call. Sure. You know what I mean? It's so easy to just not show up to a, or not commit to a group at all. Yeah. Um, so, or like you can blame like, oh, my internet connection isn't that good. I can't hear yeah. that well. So, you know what I mean? Like there's so Thank many. Are you, are you picking on my excuses every time? <laughs> oh, sorry. I wasn't targeting you. Just, I forgot. I actually but, really like the idea of that high accountability group. Like as much as it does sound really intense and like a really heavy going group project, it's sort of, it's like an online, I mean, not online, but it's like a short course or something almost. Mm. Like it could be yeah. like a 10 week course, like people do for the chip program or the lift project or whatever. And so yeah. you have your set task and each, each week is like a new thing and you have to get together and talk about how you implemented that thing. Mm. Um, it seems like exciting because it would encourage progression very yeah. quickly and group well, from progression. A, from a psychological perspective, you actually learn more if you learn something to teach it. So Definitely. you're actually going to be engaging with the content in a far deeper way if you come prepared to teach. Yeah. Um, Shelley Pools just asked a question which or made a comment, says that radical commitment cannot work in the AUNZ chillaxed culture. I would add it the chillaxed <laughs> on-demand culture that we have totally. where it's all about what I want yep. rather than what potentially I need. And yep. that level of accountability, that stepping up in accountability is something that's probably beneficial for, for lack of a better term, true Christianity, mm. making that transformational, deliberate changes in your life rather than Christianity just being this weekend thing you do. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, sh- I should add as well that Mark Sayers and that book, that's that's a he's an Australian author. Like he's done that at his church, Red From Church Melbourne. In, in Melbourne. So like he, he actually he, his church rents out the church I used to pastor at. Yeah. There so you go. like it, it can work in an Australian context because the guy who talks about it wrote the book and he's Australian. You know what I mean? Like so. Yeah. But in our Adventist context. I, like there's a big culture shift that has to happen mm, there. But historically, we have been a people who have demanded a high, a, um, high amount of um, commitment. You know, like 50 yeah. years ago, no Adventist wore makeup. Every Adventist had, you know, like... Vegetarian. Yeah, yeah everyone <laughs> this, was vegetarian. This wedding ring would be like totally taboo. I would be thrown out of the church for that. Yeah, I couldn't have my ears pierced. Yeah, totally. like, and I don't think that, I mean... Obviously, we've, but I think what we need to do is not necessarily say people shouldn't commit, but maybe, maybe we need to shift our focus on where we commit to. Well, like I was going to say that commitments are. E- even in our modern context, the chillaxed Aussies and Kiwis, we still invite high levels of commitment in different areas of our lives. Like if I'm going to therapy, I'm going to go to therapy and I'm going to spill my guts and I'm going to commit to that. If mm. I'm going to CrossFit, you know, I'm getting up at five o'clock in the morning and I'm going to be doing crazy things. I'm not talking, this is the royal we. I'm not going to go to CrossFit, but um, <laughs> I'm, I'm too chillaxed. Um, no, and you're I'm, the only one who, who didn't answer question of the week with an exercise related stuff. Yeah. That's because I tried to exercise while I was in lockdown and I just ended up hating myself even more. Yeah. All right. No, I feel that. Oh, no. uh, 
Anyway, the challenge yeah. the challenge with accountability is it requires us to be real with each other. Yes, and vulnerability is something that our culture in particular really struggles with. Yes. Andrew Pratt is highlighting this pretty well in the chat right now, talking about um, our pastor-dependent culture, uh, members being afraid of accountability because it mm-hmm. might mean they have to put their faith into action. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I remember, I remember being a theology student in Avondale and um, – one of the first things that I did was take part in a public evangelism street preaching initiative on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah. I hated it's every moment of it. Was that, was that the one it. where we all had to wear red and stuff? Yeah, yeah. I I hated that. I, I took a hymn book to that thing and it got stolen by an Adventist. <laughs> I, took fo- I took my camera so that I could take photos to get out of having to talk to too many people because I was just... You know, they gave you a script or something and you had to like, you was in Sydney um, Keys, like Harbour, like Sydney Harbour. Yeah, I didn't even know I about this until afterwards. Corner. I think they dodged inviting me because of my long hair. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't look Adventist enough. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's probably not. I don't know. I probably just missed it. I'm not a very observant person. Yeah. But yeah. That too. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, I think like, I don't know, maybe, maybe if we just refocus like where we call people to commit to, you know, like, again, I don't think veganism and vegetarianism is a bad thing or modesty or any of that stuff. Yeah. I'll come to you in a second, Laura. I'll finish this sentence. Um, Like, I don't think any of that stuff is bad, but that used to be like the focus of what it meant to be an Adventist. And, you know, I'm not saying we just throw that away, but I'm saying maybe like what we should be like compelling people to focus on is putting the biblical truths we believe into believe into action, putting the Sermon on the Mount into everyday, every week action. That's a huge task just in itself. Um, and like keeping each other accountable to that rather than coming every week and being like, did you eat bacon this week? Or like, you know, like, you know, <laughs> like, I don't know. Like that's, did you turn t- up your PlayStation when the sunset on Friday? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I know to say that those are like, yeah, it's not. I'm not saying that's not important, but I'm just saying like I've seen where the focus has been on so many people, and I'm I don't know. Maybe we just need to shift yeah. where we call people to commit to. All right, so Laura. true. I think if Jesus were here, he would be much more concerned about like how is your heart this week? What did you struggle yeah. with? Mm, Can yeah. I give you a hug <laughs> rather than <laughs> did you turn off your PlayStation at sunset? <laughs> um, that's not what I was going to say. What I was going to say is I think my prediction is that after this period that we're in right now. Um, will emerge a lot of house churches and also a lot of things like the Alpha course. Ah, oh, yes. Yep. You know mm. what that is? Yeah. Like, yeah. I have that on my shelf right here right now. Yeah, so a lot of um, Another that... thing I haven't read or looked at. <laughs> nice. A lot of people that I talk to in Sydney that are um, attending other churches, uh, like not necessarily Adventist faith, but maybe they grew up in C3 or something different, mm. um, and they love the Alpha church, and there's lots of those kind of things popping up and it's sort of a house church vibe where you meet at someone's house, eat some good food, you know, watch a thing and answer some questions. But it's basically like Christianity 101. Here's what we believe in a relaxed context. We're going to teach you the thing so you will learn but you will not be forced to commit to having Mm. a life of faith afterwards. It's just Mm. a really relaxed, curious environment and I think more of that kind of we're opening the door to see if you want to check it out without forcing you to be part of our weird lifestyle or our, you know, extremely vulnerable, open your heart and feelings to these strangers kind of way. Like none of that, Mm. but just a bit more of a gentle 
community-based interaction. I would like to see more of that. I think that would be much more effective than, um, you know, door knocking and flyer evangelism and stuff would be in just invite your neighbours over for dinner and be like, hey, we're starting this course next week. We're just going to check it out and see what it's about. No pressure, but we'd love you attend if you want. I'm going to make this delicious pasta again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That kind of event I think would be great to see more of out of lockdown and I think it will be popping up, my prediction anyway. Mm. I'll tell you one thing. Okay, can I can I shift the topic yes. a little bit of one thing I'd like to see continue after COVID? Yes. The celebration culture we've started, things like celebrating emergency services people, things like celebrating, like for us when we moved between levels, that kind of thing, um, celebrating people in the medical field, all that kind of stuff. I would like us to do that in the church, like bring in that celebrating culture because it's part of COVID-19, like at least in New Zealand. I, I don't really, I don't know if it's been the same in Australia, but like every milestone there's been celebration. Everybody who's been doing their part, there's been celebration um, for that person. And I would just love to see that culture carry into church. Like, can we just celebrate that we get to be together every week? Can we just mm. celebrate that this person is giving up hours and hours of their week to run a Pathfinder club, which again is another high commitment Adventist thing that's awesome. Like, yeah. can we just <laughs> celebrate this? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think feel like there's so much we've been taking for granted for hundreds of years now <laughs> that I'm just like, well, can we just celebrate this? Like, can we it's just so true. stand uh, there and churches, applause? Yeah, we're often yeah. like, what do we need to pray for? And then we focus on the bad things. We're like, oh, mm. God, we're going to pray for this. Please fix it. Please yeah. help us, please. Whatever. But if we open to a more gratitude and celebration thing, that's already churches are pretty good at celebrating uh, marriages and babies. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> and that's birthdays. Kind of, and yeah. oh, birthdays, yeah, sometimes birthdays. Yeah, but it depends on the it, church, but yeah. Depends on the church, yeah, but you could get called up, like if you could get called up the front to be like, this person did an awesome thing this week or like this person ran an amazing creative um, Sabbath school lesson and we're also mm. grateful, thanks. Just mm. that kind of stuff would be awesome rather than this person has a problem and we have to pray for them because of God course we will still do that, but to balance it with celebrations would be cool. With that bringing people up the front, though, um, potentially if we get to that point with that celebration culture, please, 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 please pre-organise it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. You can't just because be like... the introverts in our world will hate you even more. They will definitely, definitely choose online. <laughs> <laughs> yes. With the camera off. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So I guess what I'm hearing, if we want to start like wrapping sort of this all up into a neat little bow that people can just, you know, think about, are we talk? We're talking about uh, not an either or situation. Maybe, maybe before we do this, what do we think of? Because in the coming weeks and months, there is going to be continued debate with the churches who want to open up mm-hmm. where do we stand on that i yeah where do we stand on that r- right now so in my conference in victoria we've made a decision that no adventist church will open unless all adventist churches open regardless of size because yeah. the risk is if you know we are allowed to open with you know up to set number of people based on the density issues of that building 
if my local church opens, but the four in the neighboring suburbs don't, everyone might come to my church and we'll be well over the density limits and we'll start having to turn people away. Yeah. Um, so I think that we need to work in our regions and in our conferences to understand when our Adventist churches are opening to make sure it's uh, all for one, one for all type mentality. Um, having said that, you need to have a plan on what that looks like because when you do open, it's likely you'll need to take at least the first name and the phone number of every person who's there. So how are you going to record that? Because sharing a pen around is probably not ideal. No. Um, so having some potential digital online way of recording that, yeah. um, and that could just be a person with a tablet putting it in for you um, or a person with a pen and a piece of paper and writing it down for you. Maybe everybody um, should get it. like a barcode that you can just scan like on your forehead or your, would <laughs> that work? Uh, <laughs> but the other thing that we need to consider is pre- potentially pre-booking in for church so that you don't go yeah. over those density issues. So yeah, like one you of would my, for F45. <laughs> yeah. So one of yeah. my, one of my um, churches, the main space they've got can hold 78 people based on the density regulations that we're, we're making an educated guess on. My suggestion would be is that we allow church members to pre-register to come to church, but only up to 60 members, not 78. Okay. Because that 78 needs to include the people running the the service in that space. And I would also like to allow enough space for the potential visitors that still might want to come to church that aren't Mm. already contributing members or regulars at that local congregation. So I think we really need to start thinking through what church looks like, recognizing it will be very different for a very long time. That's not a bad thing. What this does is gives us an opportunity to completely rework how our churches operate to perhaps be more small group or family home group type churches Mm. where Mm. the Sabbath experience or the Sunday experience is more of a celebration culture of what God's doing in and through our lives each and every day of the week, but the actual connection and teaching takes part in homes. I, I guess I'm just thinking like what you've described, like you, you know, what you've described is kind of like typical for what most churches are going to have to try and deal with if they want to come back online. I guess the question that I'm wondering, I don't have an answer for this, but is it worth it? Like, is it worth it going to all those lengths so that you can meet together. Obviously, you can't put a price on being able to meet together corporately, and that's more important for certain people than it is for others. But I'm just guess I just knowing what we know about the world that we're living in now, is it worth it? And again, I don't have an answer for that. So if anybody has something to contribute, go for it. But I just I do realize that this is one of those things where it's very difficult to say this is definitively what I think. Apart from Josh, go for it. Yes, Hebrews 10. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm actually going to say yes, it is, like it is worship because people actually value that corporate gathering. Um, as much as they may not contribute by standing up and yelling amen when the preacher's preaching or whatever else is happening, they, they find some value in that corporate gathering. So Definitely. I think as church leaders we need to do everything possible as difficult as it may be for us as leaders we need to do everything possible to make returning to church as easy as possible for mm. people yeah i mean i like i think it's i still think it's worth it 
I mean, being serious, um, <laughs> because I, I think that just being in that space, you, you've got more, there's more opportunity for for accountability to start taking place at least and for life change to, to happen. I'm not saying it happens every week um, or that you even have a high success rate, but I feel like that's it's more likely to happen there than in a lot of other spaces. I mean, you think of like a TED Talk, like how many TED Talks have we all listened to? Um, how many of them have we actually taken action from? Probably, for me, probably 5% of them, if yeah. that. Um, but, I mean, if you think if people take, five, like if there is 5% action rate from sermons every year, it's pretty good. <laughs> I don't there's know, like for me. There's yeah. something about having a, like a neutral place away from your house as well to meet others in. Sure, where, yeah. It's like that uh, third space concept. Yes, yes. Where you're just in, that is the place that I go to get out of myself or get out. Or even if you've never been to church before, just a fresh space that's not my own house is much easier to tackle um, maybe what's going on in your own mind and start committing to changes you want to make and stuff rather than just sitting in your own funk in your own house, just being like, oh, I never want to change. You know, I should read my Bible, but oh, I just don't do that on a day. Yeah. You know, you can't, Jesse, you need that fresh space for a fresh mind. Go Josh. Sorry. I'm just going to rephrase the question. Mm. Um, should we go to that effort to return to restaurants or cafes or the gym? And if we go to that effort to return to restaurants, cafes or the gym, why not for church? Fair call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say, like, my gym, my gym's just opened again, and I've been going this week, and it's amazing. Like, it just feels so good to be back. You know, even if you think, is it the most practical way to get fit? Could I do it cheaper? Could I do it maybe more effectively? Like, would it be easier to do at home? Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) Yeah, but I go and I get more fit and I enjoy it and I feel great afterwards. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, yeah, I don't know, like. I guess if I was to engage with like the heart of what you are saying, Josh, would it's that, okay, if I have, if I'm going to the gym, yeah, I could probably run and I probably could do weight somewhere else. So there's definitely ways around physical fitness that I could, you know, facilitate without having to actually go to the place. With a restaurant, you could just say, cook, cook it yourself. But I know that's not practical for a lot of people. Um, I suppose, I suppose what I'm trying to figure out for myself and for us is, and Shelly really uh, nailed it on the head when she said just then, if you had to put your finger on it, what do people get out of the physical Sabbath morning experience, the Sabbath morning service? And I guess the, the question on top of my question is, can we achieve what the, the Sabbath morning experience is trying to achieve without the Sabbath morning experience. I think, I don't know. I think the flexibility of church, it has the opportunity to strengthen the church rather than make it weaker, but navigating how we go from being like, honestly, quite a rigid structured church experience into a flexible one. That's the hardest part. Like I can see the light of the end of the tunnel, but there's so many obstacles between here and there to navigate half online, half physical. 
I think it's important. I think it's important to open up, but I think it's also important to remain flexible as we do so to allow for people like maybe yourself, Jesse, who would rather be maybe like head of online communications for New Zealand and you could do <laughs> online churches only. You could run entirely online programs and you might be serving half of the New Zealand congregation who would prefer that method. Mm. Mm. But are we just creating heaps more work for ourselves? <laughs> That's also a very good question. Um, yeah. And I guess I'm not as uh, like anti coming back together as maybe it might appear I am. Like I am a pastor. This is, this is my job. Well, uh, somebody has to do it, right? And That's so right. this is, yeah. So this is what I'm doing right now. But I guess my my big question in all of this is you know what is what is real change going to have to look like uh, to to navigate this this brave new world that we're a part of uh, because we are going to have to change. Um, but I'm just really grateful for you guys and for the the input that we've been able to gain the insight. So um, it just occurred it just occurred to me you know if we were to be having this discussion in in other contexts, like I've seen on Facebook, people would be throwing around things like, oh, it's so political. It's this, it's that, the other thing. But this is, this is not political. We're just, we're navigating this and we don't have all the answers, but I'm just really grateful that we can do this. So yeah. Four friends just having a chat, right? That's right. Let's go with that. Yeah. (laughs) You you can pay me later. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Cool. Um, Maybe We've asked more questions than received answers, I think. Yeah. Always the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what Jesus did, right? Whoa. <laughs> Pastor Josh coming back. Pastor Sorry, Josh. guys. <laughs> I need to take my pastor hat off for the week. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah. uh, hey, if yeah. um, in the chat, if there are any other questions that you guys would like us to grapple with, um, there is one more thing that I would like us to kind of think about and this it's kind of more fun so we don't have to think too seriously about that but it's simply um 10 years time right we we've come out of this there's a vaccine things have kind of settled back to the way they used to be what do you guys think church is going to look like in 10 years long after all this has has died down do you think that this is going to make lasting impact or do you think that inevitably we're just going to slide back into where we were before I think it would definitely make lasting impact. Think of how the world changed after 9-11. That's how Mm. I keep thinking. Like that was one event in, I mean, that was a massive and awful event, but that was on literally the opposite side of the world from us. And um, think of all the security measures that we've come in. You started having to like take your shoes and belt off and walk through these new security things at every airport across the entire world um, was implemented just from, one day in the US. And I think from a pandemic across the entire world, like look how much the world changed after Spanish flu and um, contagion theory, how everyone started implementing that a lot more seriously. This is totally going to change. Already at work, I every time I use a meeting room, I have to like spray and wipe down everything I touch, the door handle, the chair I sat on and the desk that I sat in directly in front of. I'm not allowed to have my own cups and plates. Um, I mean, I'm not allowed to use them from the communal thing. I have to have my own. Like, I don't know when that's going to go back to normal. When do I get to stop spraying down my meeting room and when can I use a communal mug? Uh, Those kind of changes are going to come filtering into our churches as 
as well. And are we still going to have people at the door shaking hands to say happy Sabbath? Probably not. Probably not for years. And by then we'll be so out of habit of doing it. There might be a new greeting. Yeah. Oh, honestly, nice. though, like how weird, do, like, I don't know if you guys are, are there. Lots of things. Change, but how oh, weird does it feel thing. like to think about shaking someone else's hand? I'm like, oh, like, I can't, I don't want to do that. And it, you know what I mean? Like, it's become so like taboo yeah, almost. Pretty much. It's weird. I never thought, you know, I like, don't I'm think, a physical contact kind of person. That's I don't weird. think I've shaked another person's hand in two months now or something like that. Maybe probably, pro- yeah. pro- probably more. Probably not going to be doing it for many, many more months to come. Yeah. And so I think those kind of small changes in our church will filter it through to the way we structurally run the program is going to yeah. change as well. Even though you can't see right now how having to wipe a door handle and not being able to shake a hand is going to change the nature of how we do church, but it all filters through. I think it's going to be quite I, different in 10 years' time. I think the behavioural changes around shaking hands, hugging, even like coming together to meet together in a group will take quite some time for people to become used to again. Um, Kerry Newhoff on his podcast was talking about whether this is an interruption or a disruption. And I think a lot of people mm. are thinking it's an interruption where we will go back to the way things were, Yeah. whereas it's actually a disruption. It's actually hopefully in some regards, hopefully, and in some regards, hopefully not, it's going to change the direction or the, the structure of how churches and the world operates. Mm. Um, and I think if we just think of it as an interruption, everything will go back to how it was. Um, I would be hoping that it is a disruption and that we can reinvent what church looks like because we know that church really in its current form only hits a specific kind of demographic of people. Those who perhaps have different theological views would not really be overly welcomed within Adventist Sabbath school classes um, if they differ on some of those tenets of Adventism or want to explore, you know, what do Hindus believe? You know, mm. can you do that within an Adventist Sabbath school class? Um, and so I think that there is going to be a disruption in the way that we operate and the way that we do things. And that's a positive thing, but there will be the temptation to just go back to the way things were as though it was only an interruption. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Josh doesn't like it. I can tell. You no. don't like it, man. No, I agree. I think it's really true. I just, I'd never made the distinction between the two. Mm. Um, but I mean, I've even heard people say that we're all going to be collectively struggling with some form of PTSD from this, you know, mild, like, you know, whilst for some people it'd be more than others, but, and I was like, just like probably people true. who lived in the Great Depression were like really funny about like wasting food. Yeah. It's like for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So I'm sure there might be something like this now. Like, are we going to be really panicky about germs for the next 50 years? And our grandkids being like, don't touch that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, these are the things, play out? These are the things they get passed on from generation to generation. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And so that's why, like, for me, I think about how uh, you, you, you don't know what the impact is going to be. And I don't think you can really you can really plan for it. But you can only plan to step into the next season with flexibility, but also high commitment to mm. the things that are most important. 
and most most true to your your walk with Jesus, I guess, like the things that matter the most, you have to set your foot into those and yeah. they have to remain, but the rest of you has to be pretty solid mm. in how, how are we going to keep walking through this? And I, I think that's really challenging, you know, like mm. it's going to break. Like you think about something like a potluck, that's probably not oh. going to be okay. <gasps> RIP From- the potluck. Yeah. Right. Dead right. in the water, man. Dead in the water. I, don't want to, I didn't want to say it out loud because then it becomes real, but oh, it's probably real. About that yet. No, I'm sorry, Laura. <laughs> My heart is broken. But, but does that not open up our homes to having people around a dinner table or a lunch table yes. together rather than 100 people in a room? We can have 10 people and have real connection. Mm. I like what you said, Josh, um, about prioritizing like what we need in coming out of this in how we're going to change, like from this chat and the last part one of this chat the things I keep think we're coming back to are like number one community. Number two is probably um, accountability within that Mm. community. And so if we are taking our step forward with those two first and then somehow having to build structures around it rather than habits or entertainment. And um, I think a lot of Adventists really love routine, which is not a bad thing. It's very human to love routine, (laughs) but instead of stepping into routine to step into community would be where I think we need to go. Can I, can I make a prediction? Yes. A bold prediction. I'm ready. (laughs) I think that, in the wake of this crisis, and this may not be very surprising for a lot of people, so maybe I'm just, I'm just, I'm just putting into words what everybody's kind of feeling and, and thinking right now. But I think in the wake of this crisis, we are going to see a lot of before solid Christians or supposed solid Christians stepping away from faith because they, through this crisis, will realize that they weren't engaged in the life of Jesus and the way of Jesus and the mission of the church and all that sort of stuff than they probably thought they were. But that there are going to be more and more people who maybe didn't consider themselves religious or spiritual or we didn't think were that engaged who are going to step up in engagement because they realize that they need faith to weather the storms of life more and more. So I think we're going to see a bit of a shift and a shaking, which is such an Adventist term that we love. <laughs> I was thinking that myself. <laughs> is right, this I'll, the shaking? I was trying not to say it, but I couldn't <laughs> help it. But I think, I think we're going to see a, a lowercase s shaking um, in the church, not just our church, but the church as people realize that they were either not that engaged with faith anymore and now that they don't have the guilt of having to go to church because their friends and their family are expecting them to, mm-hmm. they're going to step away. And then I think together with that, we're going to see different people step up and engage at a higher level than we thought they would because they realized that they needed it. Yeah. I also hope that this allows us to stop majoring on minor issues. Like, let's get back to the heart of the gospel and just proclaim the gospel rather than, oh, you're, you're not wearing a tie or the <laughs> communion table cloth is slightly off center. Like, let's, <laughs> let's stop worrying about those things because we know that in the last eight or 10 weeks, they've been non-issues 
that they're yeah. actually really non-issues. Let's mm -hmm. just encourage people to proclaim the gospel in their own circles of influence and then encourage, empower, and equip them to do so. Yep. Yep. It's good. Yes, Pastor Josh. Well said. Very good. I'll take my pastor hat off too. <laughs> <laughs> any any cool. final words of wisdom from you, Laura? Uh, no, but I really need to get back to work. <laughs> okay. All right. But cool. I have loved this chat. I think I've said it all with, with my priorities of community and accountability. That's all I keep coming back to no matter what you say. Like that's the that's the goal for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, cool. that's good. Um, I have one last thought and yes, that's the end. This is not the first disruption or interruption that the church has had. And unfortunately, it will not be the last. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think it's that bold. I think it's just. Um, and so I, I think we just have to we just have to say, you know, like Jesus and the church is bigger than all of this. And so true. like it's been through all of this. God's been with us through the whole thing. And he'll be with us through the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one until he comes again. That's right. So That's right. He's literally in this conversation right now watching us all chat, just going like, you guys have no idea what's coming. Yeah. <laughs> 2020 is just started, he's guys. Yeah. <laughs> Wait till the, what's the, what's the murderous bees or whatever? Killer hornets. Uh, Killer hornets, hornets coming. Murder yeah. Hornets or something. The, yeah. Um, yep. Um, so, you know, 2020 guys, let's keep going. <laughs> so can I just say, Yep. As you guys wrap up, as you normally do, Laura and I are just going to like back up and stand up a bit as oh, you yeah. wrap up. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. Yep. Oh, I have to show oh, you. Cool look outfits. at that. <laughs> guys, everybody <laughs> go and buy one right now. <laughs> um, yes, merch is now available for Burn the Haystack. You can get your own T-shirt, jumper, or long sleeve shirt. Uh, we believe, yes, we believe in the product. They look good. <laughs> and uh, pretty sure they're all fair trade, which is awesome too. Yes. So love supporting that. So anyway, make sure you go and buy that. You can check that. And for all things Burn the Haystack, of course, go to burnthehaystack.org. That's where you find all the goodness. Uh, and if this is your first time tuning into the podcast, welcome, welcome. It's great to have you. Uh, you can subscribe to Burn the Haystack on any podcatching app out there. Um, you can also listen to us on YouTube if that is your jam. So just head over to burnthehaystack.org and you'll find all the subscription options. And if you have a podcatching app, then just search us up and you'll be able to subscribe to us there. Um, leave us a rating or review. That would be really helpful. And uh, we'll be able to get more of these awesome conversations and these beautiful faces joining us to many more people all around the world. So thank you. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, I think that's everything. So thank you all so much for joining us. Um, whether you joined us live or you're listening to this later, you're all awesome. We love you. Stay awesome. That is Josh, Jesse and Josh and Laura out. Bye. And we are no longer live. Good job, everyone. I really need to go. Okay. Thanks, All right. Thanks, guys.